0: Welcome, I'm David Nurse, NBA shooting coach turned life optimization coach, speaker, author, leader of all types. On this show, we bring on high performers, athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, people doing amazing things in this world, but they weren't always at that spot. And we talk about how they got through their stuck situation and made their pivot to achieve their success. So join me every week as we pivot and go. I'm dreaming vivid, so I'm living my goal. Written to existence, you know I'm doing the most. I'm steady winning, having breakfast for dinner, cause I'm always giving the toast. I live that one percent of lifestyle, didn't you know? Doing what I can just to get in the zone. Incremental change and help it get in the flow. But if you hit the wall, gotta pivot and go. Switch your perspective and go for the goal. That ain't the end of the road. Just pivot and go. Just pivot and go. Welcome back. To another episode of the Pivot and Go podcast, I hope you all are having a fantastic week leading into the 4th of July weekend, you know, getting ready for some hot dog eating contests, fireworks, and in the name of fireworks, we're going to give you some today. This week on the Pivot and Go podcast, we have a very special guest and special friend of mine, Archie McKirchin. Now Archie is a 28 plus year career at nike including executive leadership roles in the us japan and china he started in a warehouse in new hampshire the bottom of the bottom and went all the way to the top he ran global basketball footwear for nike heading into the beijing 08 olympics worked with a young kevin durant kobe bryant lebron diana tarasi which he will tell stories on all of those in this episode incredible storyteller he's one of the best at building a brand like helping nike one of the best brands in the world get to where they are and he's going to share in depth the importance of storytelling how you create your own story the importance of brand building and so much more so buckle up because here we go archie mccuthern welcome to the Pivot and Go podcast. You've been an amazing friend and mentor of mine for many years now. So it's an absolute honor to have you on, man. How are you doing out there in East Coast Zone?
1: David, I'm doing great. Uh, it's great to see you, and uh, I'm happy to be with you here today.
0: Well, Lars, you have a, a phenomenal background and just an expertise and something that is so needed. We will get into that the power of storytelling and branding. Everybody wants to grow their own personal brand. But before we do, Start us off with a bang, Archie, something that maybe not everybody knows about you, this just unbelievable Nike exec helping Nike grow their branding, but something
1: different. Well, Dave, I'm going to build on uh, just what you said on the East Coast. I'm actually here right now in Kittery, Maine, at my parents' home where I grew up, staring at the Atlantic Ocean, Um, I currently live in Portland, Oregon, so I don't get back here too much. And one of the things that maybe some folks don't know about me is um, I do enjoy going for a nice run along that main coast. But what makes it a little bit unique, and I started this in college, and it's really become a thing for me today, is afterwards, I love to go down to that frigid, cold Atlantic Ocean and jump in my own version of the Polar Plunge. And it's it's ironic because as I spent time in Asia, I actually developed this routine around cold therapy and I've, I've certainly gotten into it. So um, it all kind of started here. And it's ironic that I'm coming to you uh, alive from where I grew up today.
0: That's, that's awesome. I mean, that's what I envy you, RT. I take the ice cold three-minute shower every single morning. But if I could get in the Atlantic Ocean and really chill out like the Polar Bear Plunge... Man, that's that's phenomenal. Like hey, then that's where we met too over in Asia. We met randomly in Tokyo, Japan at the Tokyo American Club and just hit it off, man. So it's it's been what 10, 12 years? It, it
1: has been and wow. and I'll never forget meeting you over there, the ray of energy coming in, the, the shot <laughs> doctor himself and uh, I was in that gym trying to do my version of of trying to help my son and some kids, you know, work on their game, and we met you, and I, and I knew right then it was time, time to get on the get on the uh, the sideline and let you uh, you take over. so <laughs> it's, it's it was great to put that together.
0: All right, you're the man. Hey, talk to us about your biggest life pivot. You've accomplished a lot in your career, but it hasn't always just been given to you. You had to go through a period of feeling stuck. How did you? pivot out of that stuck situation and go on to achieve what you have over the course of your career?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate. I spent uh, 28 years on the corporate side uh, with Nike, uh, and I've since then gone on to to do some other things, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later. But I would say my biggest pivot Um, And it was, I wouldn't necessarily completely equate it to being stuck. I'd actually, I would use it as more of an opportunity Mm -hmm. to put myself out of my comfort zone is when we made the family decision to to move overseas for the first time. So as you alluded to, we met in Tokyo, Japan, my wife, my two children, and I moved over there in 2012 um, to a wonderful country. And, you know, immediately, you know, you start to kind of lock in on the business stuff. Um, you know, Japan is, it's got the lowest immigration of any country in the world. It's, it can be change resistant, although it's very innovative at the same time. Our business was in a reset mode, and I was very, very fortunate to work with a wonderful team that was resetting something that hadn't necessarily been as um, productive as we had hoped, and we were able to achieve that. But really, the big pivot or discovery for me. Was thrusting myself into an environment where, hey, English was the second language. Um, the simple, mundane daily tasks of, you know, your your bank account, going to the grocery store, um, cultural assimilation, language, um, directions, all of it, completely out of my comfort zone. Taking taking a, a train to work every day. So for me, that was an opportunity to really learn a lot about myself, to stretch. And as a family, it just brought us so close together. And I've got a little, maybe I got a funny story for you. Um, I was coaching uh, athletics over there, American football in Japan, which is, that's a whole different podcast (laughs) and and, and basketball, which I, as you know, I got very into the culture professionally and, and through youth coaching, et cetera, but the games we played we anywhere from an hour or so outside of Tokyo, occasionally in the city, but really Tokyo is a massive city, 11 million people in the core, 35 million people in the, in the surrounding area. So I discovered, I'm like, hey, I've got to sort of master um, driving a car. And so to get to my children's activities and to coach and do those kind of things, I actually had to take the Japanese driver's test and get my license, um, which was, incompl- and, and there was no sympathy discount. Uh, it wasn't a written test. It was very much a sort of a verbal and an actual driving test, but just another example of just completely stretching me and, and building a muscle that I had but really with that experience of going into a different place in the world really allowed that muscle to become a lot bigger and stronger for me. And certainly as I move forward in my career. Arch,
0: I love, I love how you talk about is building a muscle. Like you had a good thing going and you stepped out of your comfort zone. And I can only imagine the growth that ensued of the adventure of Japan. Like I know driving in Japan is like, you might think driving, oh, that's easy. It's not. Those roads, incredibly tiny like everybody jumps on the train. So just that alone is an amazing adventure. How, like, did you see, cause you're a phenomenal storyteller, probably the best storyteller I have ever been around. Did this help you by jumping into a different culture? What did you see about people in the Japanese culture that was different than maybe the American culture or anywhere else you've ever been?
1: Well, I mean, you know, the thing that, it, that reigns, uh, supreme in my mind around any culture is when you're authentic to yourself and authentic to the culture you're in, your ability to connect becomes that much greater. Um, So what I learned in Japan is they very much appreciated getting to know me. I mean, again, we're from, from very different places, different backgrounds. And one of the things I would do every week at my staff meeting I would share a story about what I did on the weekend and and kind of, you know, my journey, et cetera, et cetera, as a way uh, to connect with people and discuss the country. And and it's funny because as I think about it, uh, I remember vividly talking about my nine-year-old daughter's birthday party at this local amusement park uh, in Tokyo. It was called Toshimaya and I believe it's since closed. And my, uh, my team was just blown away, and I got some feedback later. I think they had this impression that, you know, hey, he, he's this uh, uh, Westerner, this American, everything is Tokyo Disney, et cetera, et cetera. But Dave, I mean, it's expensive. So I'm oh like, you know, it's a nine-year-old birthday party. So I want to make sure, you know, we kept it, you know, kind of kept it on budget, kept it within reason. So we, we were local style, and, and, and we may have been the only non-Japanese in the park. We had a great experience. Um, and so I think it was just an example of uh, what I tried to do and what I learned is just connecting uh, with culture, especially when you're in a culture that's maybe not your own.
0: Love it. Connecting with culture. And that's where the growth is found. And you tell that story and it's just it's just powerful just to hear that of, OK, you, you didn't push it away. You embraced it. You embraced change. You embrace the differences. And it's made you grow immensely from that to, to who you've become. And like I said earlier, you are the ultimate storyteller. Like I've sat with you for hours on end and just listened to you tell stories, and I love it. So, what is the true power of storytelling, and how did you realize that? Like this is how the world learns. Because as I give talks and podcasts, like everybody loves stories. So, talk to us on the power of storytelling and how you came to this
1: realization. Well, I think there's two things uh, that really jump out when I think about storytelling and the power it has. And what storytelling does, it creates connection. Mm. It makes you more relatable to your audience. And especially, uh, I think the great storytellers, first of all, understand the message that they wanna communicate, um, their point of view, et cetera, et cetera. And they also then understand their audience. What are people looking for? How do they want their audience to feel? But at its core, what storytelling does, it just unites people. It creates connection. It makes you more relatable. And I think as a result, people want to learn more. They want to engage with you. Maybe they want to partake in getting to know you, getting to know your brand, getting to know whatever it is you're about. And I think that's the power of storytelling. It's a simple way to bring people to the table. And i
0: feel like everybody can do it everybody has a story but it's just about realizing how you put these stories together with messages that that you want the audience to receive and that's where you see the power of it so talking of storytelling give us a give us one arch give us, give us one of your great nike stories there's a lot of them out there
1: well i mean there there's 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 tons i was very fortunate um i you know i i, I tell people a lot of times working at nike was maybe what it was like to play at alabama football Um, you know, four deep at every position, immensely talented group of people. Um, I figured out right away, like maybe my, my niche was, uh, you know, maybe creating a a liberal arts approach to my career in the sense that I was willing and open to new experiences and learning things. Um, But maybe one quick chapter is I did work in the, in the basketball group uh, for a few years. Um, And I just, you know, we got to work hand in hand with some of the greatest players, uh, in the game. Uh, one of my favorite ones is literally just cruising around uh, PG County, Maryland, which is, you know, suburban Maryland right out out of DC after we had just signed Kevin Durant and literally in a bad Hertz rental van. Um, <laughs> not This is, you know, no, no, no super exotic, you know, rolled out. And it was the agent uh, it was a bunch of us from his team. It was Katie and his brother. Uh, we we got some iced tea. We got some food, and he literally took so much pride in taking us from these different venues. His story, where he grew up, where he trained, the people that were involved in his life. I mean, Katie is the Hooper's Hooper, um, and it was just a really fun way uh, at a really grassroots level to connect with someone and to start to to start to initiate. Um, which that team has gone on to do amazing things with him far, far surpassing anything we envisioned at the time. But what a great way to kind of connect with, uh, you know, who is now one of the world's best players.
0: Arch, I-, I think that's what great leadership is about too. Giving people the canvas to create their own story. Not necessarily saying, Katie, come into these Nike offices. This is how it's going to be. But you gave him the opportunity to play the narrative and create his story. So- I, I have to ask you about the Kobe, too, because you, you guys signed Kobe. Talk about his mentality different than KD's. What was the approach in creating this great Kobe brand?
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot of similarities as, as much as there are differences. And yes. The similarities is for anyone on your pod that uh, works with um, some folks at the best at what they do. I mean, the standard and the commitment to that standard with, with Katie and, and any really of the elite athletes in in the NBA is, is like nothing you've seen. And, and certainly Kobe Bryant exemplified that, um, much respect, uh, to him. He, he was, he, he pushed us especially early days. He pushed us at a level that maybe we didn't even anticipated because he demanded, um, that you know we all did our best. Um, how do you create an edge, even if that was a second or an ounce or an inch? Mm. Uh, he was that obsessive and he, and he really was. And uh, you know so I, I, I'd say some of the the best playing and performance footwear the brand ever created was a direct result of of working with him and Eric Avar, the designer that that led all those efforts. Um, those two were just an incredible matchup. Wasn't there
0: something you were telling me like he would study sharks in their movement and like he would just be so meticulous with his study on how he wanted to create a shoe?
1: Yeah, I I think he was very, very versed Mm. in inspiration in um, how, frankly, the world worked. Uh, He's he's a mile wild and a a mile deep type of person. Um, And so he would very much talk to us about how the body worked and, and use examples and, 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 and even getting into, um, you know, as you alluded to different species and, and things of that nature <laughs> that, that drove sort of uh, performance excellence and inspiration for him. So he was, yeah, I mean, he's, he's unlike anything we, that I, that I uh, ever saw in terms of an athlete with the mindset to just, just to be the greatest. And that was reflected in everything he did, not just on the court, but off the court as well. It's amazing.
0: Everything go. All right, so as you know, I am a nut for optimization. That's having your body and your mind at the highest level possible. So, I mean, I make a lot of protein smoothies and I make them taste really, really good. But I have to know it has the highest quality ingredients i don't want any of all this other junk that everybody throws in that you see at gnc and i have found that brand new zest they're plant-based ingredients the purest and most potent source of nutrition to give you a powerful well-balanced mix of essential vitamins and minerals i'm telling you the creamy vanilla the matcha flavor i'll mix it into smoothies into yogurt sometimes i'll just open up the package and drink it straight it's that good and It's that good for you, New Zest. So New Zest is giving listeners to this podcast, this Pivot & Go podcast, a special deal lucky for you. If you look at the link below and in the show notes, you will see it's Pivot 15. Pivot 15 will give you 15% off any purchase at New Zest. Zest Newzest.com, Pivot 15, get your protein powder upgraded. Go. all right so talk to us about what true branding is a lot of people will think it's just what you see on social media or what the what your instagram is but there's a lot that goes into branding and speak on what you can of the of the nike mantra or just what you've learned on how do you create if you could give us one or two points of how do you really focus on creating an amazing personal brand
1: well i i think the the first step in creating your A brand is is really defining what are those principles, um, guardrails if you would, but what does your brand stand for? Um, And as simple as that sounds, that's not only going to inform how you bring your brand to life, but ultimately, I think it informs the culture that's created with your brand. And it's really important. Um, So before, you know, you start thinking about you know, um, maybe the, the revenue and, and, and things of that nature that may even be more commercial in orientation. I think it really just starts with what are those principles and what, what is it uh, that you really stand for? Um, and as simple as that sounds, I'll give you a, a real example. Um, right now, uh, working with uh, 360 Hoops, um, we, are, we are creating both a product in a game or a new sport in, around basketball. And there's a lot that's similar, and there's a few things that are different. So we've got some feedback on like, hey, would you include XYZ? And our, our point of view is, well, wait a second, the reason we designed this on this circular court and with this tri-basket system uh, that we have associated with this, with this product and game that we've created is to facilitate more movement, more communication, more passing, more touches uh, versus maybe some traditional rules that sort of make things a little bit more stationary. Um, So those are real decisions that we're making. And and maybe some of that initially, some of those decisions on incorporating things allow us to, to grow faster or grow bigger, et cetera, et cetera. But I do believe in the long run, you do need to make decisions that are true uh, to yourself and to these principles uh, that you establish. Because then it's just over time. I think the genius of that is just going to come to life. Certainly, certainly working at Nike, um, you know, and, and I worked more in the product sales and merchandising zone of that company. But the brand leadership was was second to none. Uh, yeah. The storytelling and 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 just the commitment. To it, and, and maybe the only other thing I might add is, I think when you're building your brand, I kind of call it the high-low game. You've got to have a vision for what is that big sort of that big audacious goal, that big audacious vision that you want to ultimately see come to life. But at the same token, you've got to have some energy for those those details, those mm. actions, sort of that daily plan that ladders or builds up to that big vision. So you, you've got to be able to kind of, you know, kind of win now and, and create the future all at the same time um, is, is how I always approached and uh, dealing with with building a powerful brand.
0: I love it, Arch. It's the macro with the micro. And you hit on that as you got to have a mission. And it's it's really interesting. Even when I go in and speak to CEOs and companies, it's A lot of them don't have a mission. You don't have something you're shooting for. At least have some guidelines. I like how you said that. Have some guidelines for where you're shooting. Implement your daily process. And what you're talking about is, hey, and sometimes building your brand, you got to not just think differently, but you have to actually do differently. And that's what you're doing with 360 Hoops. Like I think the most successful people are just the ones who are constant learners. Constant learners and constant builders. And that's what you're doing. So talk to us about... What juices you up every morning just building this, this new sport, in essence?
1: Yeah, so since Nike, I, I made my own pivot. Um, I went from the world of, of 70,000 employees and structure and resources and organization that's been built over years upon years by, by many super talented people to this world of, I call it, our garage band. Um, there's, <laughs> like, there's like 12 of us. Uh, some are full, solely dedicated. Some have a couple of other things. And we're building this company and this brand and, and ultimately this product. So 360 Hoops is a basketball experience that is both a product and it's a new game. And essentially, the vision for it was to create a product where you literally had three backboards, three rims, a tri basket setup connected to one pole that you could raise and lower with a simple hydraulic foot pump. So ultimately you could go at a six feet, seven feet, eight feet, something really unique. It certainly creates capacity, uh, more participation. Uh, it's, it's inclusive friendly and that you can address different heights and different sizes. And then in addition, we created uh, a new way to play three on three on this basket. We actually play it on a 30-foot diameter circle. Uh, There is no three-pointer. The rules are generally consistent, but what that new angle and shape does is it truly just, it facilitates this movement, this this passing, this touches, and the game's also less intimidating because even if you're just a 12-year-old kid that's starting to get introduced to the sport, it's a lot of fun to try to score on three baskets at one time. And then defensively, it's really hard to stop the opponent. So we found that it's just really inclusive. And I would say basketball has been a little bit of a laggard sport relative to sports like ice hockey or soccer or lacrosse, even American football, Um, in terms of shrinking spaces, being a little bit more dynamic um, and what, what we found is this makes you feel comfortable and uncomfortable all mm. at the same time, mm. which creates this, not only this great effort put out, but a ton of fun. So we're, we're having fun with it. Um, that's what excites me every day. I mean, I have some, some sideline interests. I'm a little bit like you, like a podcast junkie. And I, I read a few things from here to, from time to time. Um, but ultimately, this is, this is our call to action. And in fact, our call to action is changing the shape of the game. I mean, I, that is truly what we're trying to deliver. I
0: love it. I love it. Arch. just thinking outside the box. And when you say you're, you're shrinking it and making it more dynamic, like soccer has the indoor soccer. Football has a seven on seven. Tennis even has pickleball. Basketball doesn't have anything. Now they do. Where can we all find yeah, out mean, more inf- information about 360 Hoops and learn about this new upcoming sport?
1: Yeah, I mean, please, please come engage with us. Join us. You can find us, uh, you know, at play360hoops.com. Click on videos. You'll see a ton of, of, of gameplay, testimonials, construction, how it all comes to life. You can also find us uh, at, across Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Play360 Hoops. Uh, and those are the best ways to engage with us. Um, we have a, a massive event coming up here in Miami in August. We're feeling really excited about to, to kind of authenticate the sport and bring it to life. And we're just trying to help help kids enjoy the sport. In some cases, uh, maybe even get better, um, but just bring a really unique and, and dynamic experience uh, in, in, at a time frame where, you know, how do we get people to move, mm. uh, to yeah. feel good about sport, the the, the mental side of 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 just being active and competing. And we think we're a great solution for that.
0: Arch, I love it. We will absolutely link to that in the show notes. And as we wind down here, I'm gonna throw you on the rapid fire hot seat. So these can be quick answers, whatever comes to your mind. Here we go. Arch, tell me your favorite mindset quote, something that you've lived by on your fridge, on your bathroom mirror, a quote that you absolutely love.
1: Dave, I have two. Nice. That I uh, that I kind of lock into that I have for many many years. Uh, I'll put it out there if you allow me to, because um, yeah. it's probably fifty fifty on on how I, I kind of drive both. The first is is a quote from the legendary UCLA basketball coach John Wooden, and it's really simple: failing to prepare is preparing mm. to fail. Uh, one of my childhood friends once told me, he "Goes hey, your gift is you're just you're you're always prepared." And uh, I, I I think it, that really reigns true with me. Um, I can handle uh, the results. I really can. And sometimes the results uh, go my way or my team's way or our team's way. And sometimes the results don't. But where I struggle is if I'm not ready, if I'm not prepared, if I am not locked in. So mm. for me, that's just been sort of a, a north star of of how I like to approach anything uh, in life. Is just doing the best I can to be ready for. What, what comes to me. And sometimes, frankly, you don't have a chance to be prepared. So, in that those particular instances, you're relying on all the work you've done before uh, to bring uh, your response to life. And the other thing is, uh, it's a Shakespearean quote is, uh, and I'll probably somewhat paraphrase it, but uh, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And mm. that's really sort of a mindset mm. quote that I love and and uh, I use a lot. I use it with my children. I use it with myself. And it's just, you know, really the, the ultimate judge is, is myself and, and just using um, how I connect with my experience to really be my primary filter and maybe sort of editing out voices that that um, maybe are contrary to that. Oh,
0: it's powerful. You bring in John Wooden and Shakespeare into the same. <laughs> You're doing something right, brother. I love it. Hey, what does leaving a legacy mean to you? Not necessarily what the world says it is. Not about being on a big billboard, but what does leaving a legacy mean to you, Archie?
1: Well, legacy is a big word. Um, Huge. But the way I look at it is really the one word I would I would respond to is impact. Yeah. You know, do you do you leave things better than when you started? Um, Do you give? more than you got? Because of course, if you give more, you will actually receive more. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you add to the situation? And I like to think for myself, um, you know, the really, the only objective I've ever had professionally is is just to, to leave my uniform on the court every day. Uh, that's really just been my, my uh, sort of my philosophy. And, and I, I just try to give it, try to give as much as I get. And hopefully that that creates impact, which which people feel good about um over time beautiful
0: that is legacy archie i'm gonna ask you a a fun one here if you could bring three athletes that you worked with at nike to a dinner table who are you bringing and what are you having for dinner three intriguing
1: athletes can i stretch him because Cause in, I've really only maybe, worked, well, maybe two of the three I have worked with. So oh, it we'll, doesn't have, we'll even have to
0: be athletes. It could be coaches. It could be people that right. you've ran across. But I'll, yeah. I'll
1: stay with your question. Okay. And I am a new England native. The rallying team in new England is the Boston Red Sox. But the first name I'm going to give you is not a Boston Red Sox. It's actually a retired hall of famer, Mariana Rivera of the New York Yankees, mm, wow. which is the sort of, you know, our evil empire. But the reason I bring him up is because I don't know. And and you could argue maybe, you know, Sunday at the Masters with Tiger game seven with Michael Jordan, Serena in a a powerful grand finale tournament. But like Mariano Rivera, when the music came on, Metallica came on and he came out of the bullpen at Yankee Stadium or frankly, came into any stadium. You just knew it was over. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: his level of consistency um, you know, even as he aged, like it was almost like, you know, his hair got grayer, but his body didn't change. I mean, he was just such an elite, pr- consistent performer. And I'd love to just pick his brain on his process and, and yeah. just how he went about what he did. So I always said massive respect wow. uh, for him. My num- number two uh, and I love her is Diana Taurasi. Nice. And it's a little bit of a cheat code because uh, when I did work in the basketball group at Nike way back, um, we did some work with UConn and specifically with her. We made some product hand-in-hand in hand for her. And she is just the energizer bunny um, combined with this incredible swag and confidence. Um, and, you know, if you just saw, she just went over 9,000 points um, with Phoenix. I think she's the first woman in the WNBA to do such um, maybe 17 years playing. She's just so much fun. And, and if, we're at, if we're at the dinner table, like she's just bringing it. She's talking a little <laughs> smack. Um, she's a ray of sunshine. And actually, um, when you, when you, when you, you know, I, I enjoy listening to Gino Ariama and some of his post game um, interviews. And a few podcasts I've heard with him, he talks about how he coached her and she just wanted to be pushed. And you can see it because she is so confident in the moment. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then my third, um, and I might sneak in a fourth that I'm going to go with the third because I'm going to, and I'm going to stay on the narrative of basketball Phoenix and and really where we're at right now, that would be Chris Paul. Wow. Um, and I will say at Nike, when we did sign Chris, um, he was signed at Nike basketball. They then transitioned him to Brand Jordan. So we never got the chance to work with him. But my God, I mean, talk about the conductor of the orchestra, the way he's playing, even at this, this point in his career, he is like it just, it's 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 just fun. He just plays it the right way. And it looks like he's having fun with it. I mean, it's like his he's like playing a video game. And the options are just, they just continue to come to him. So I'd love to just you know, at this point in his career, what's the platform mean? What's the moment mean? this It feels like maybe this is his chance. So that would be great. Um, and if I could sneak one in that you and I both know, I'm just going to sneak it in there. Um, Jeremy Lin. Yes. And, and I know he's a friend of yours. I've never met Jeremy, but I will say just watching his evolution from Harvard to the Knicks, Houston, he went to China. Back to the G League, I think he's going back to China now. But and I'm sure he gets asked this all the time. But for that window in New York, I did have the chance to sit there in Madison Square Garden and watch Lynn Sanity at its wow. at its height. I've never seen anything like it for myself uh, in sport in person, where the entire community of New York rallied around this guy, and he just he owned that building. And that would be cool to just you know get his get his take, wear him out on what that meant. Um, because it was special. And, and, and frankly, being an Asian in the, game, in the NBA, um, very unique. Uh, not many before him. Some great ones, but not many. Uh, just I just think he, it's an entirely different perspective. And I just have a ton of admiration for what he's done and who he is.
0: Oh, Arch. Okay. Before we get to what you guys are eating at this dinner, I have to just piggyback on that. And It was that I've talked to him many times about that. And it's a feeling of he didn't feel necessarily like the accomplishment that he was going through at the moment. But looking back on it, he's like, wow, I mean, that is just a an amazing gift from God he was given. So it's it's almost a play on like, hey, can you enjoy the journey in the process? Not worrying about what's coming next. And man, you should you should look up his he had 12 things that had to happen that day for him to get on the floor. He talks about it. 12 different like little like Amari had to be sick Carmelo had to be hurt like all this different things just for to get the opportunity and what you talk about preparing for the opportunity that's the ultimate preparation so Love those guests, man. Now, what are you cooking? What, what are we eating here at dinner? I'm serving. Well,
1: you know, Hey, hey I, I'm going to stay in my lane of, yeah. of international cuisine. And I'm, I'm, and I know, uh, I think Rich of was just on here recently and I listened to that. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on the sushi call out, yes. um, uh, for sure. I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm, I'm in the tuna family, not too exotic. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm tuna. Um, all, all the way. And I think it would be, you know, in, in the beauty about sushi, it, much like wine, it's, it's sort of a conversational cuisine. Yeah. So I think it would just sort of facilitate, uh, you know, a lot more dialogue around who likes what, et cetera. And I, I might sneak a little cold sake in the box. <laughs> we're going to ski <laughs> Hey,
0: we're going to ski Tokyo, Tokyo, the, the fish market. Getting those big fish, those tuna fish auctions at 5 a.m. We'll slice us up a great meal, Arch.
1: Hey, ne- and next time you're over there, Andy's for raw fish is the spot in oh. Tokyo. That's okay. the spot.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll talk before that. Come over there with me because it's going to happen. Arch, last thing I got for you we ask everybody on the Pivot and Go podcast if you could leave one piece of advice to someone who feels stuck in their situation. It feels like giving up, like they can't get out just a drop the mic type of type of advice. What would you give them to be able to make their pivot and go?
1: Yeah, that's an amazing question. And and thank you for asking it, because I think um, uh, I think a lot of times, you know, people look at, at leaders and athletes and they don't understand that, like, behind them is like armies of resources. I mean, maybe early on, maybe not so, but, but at this point there are. And I think a lot of times as individuals, we feel like sort of stuck in a rut for me. And it's really, I learned this over time and I cannot say, in fact, I did not do this well. And and probably only recently that I've really mastered this is asking for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help because, a lot of people, I, I, I do get asked for help in, in a lot of different circumstances. And, and, and I, I enjoy that. I love to kind of pay things forward. I, I feel very blessed to, to get some of the opportunities I have in life. So I think generally speaking, if you're in a spot where maybe things are difficult, don't be afraid to ask for help. Because uh, we can, you right. know, especially now, like it's, you can't take it all on. Um, and a little bit of help, a little bit of inspiration, that can maybe give you the push you need to to kind of get to the spot where you want to go
0: arch is a beautiful answer people want to help like i wouldn't be where i am if i didn't ask for help ask john gordon for for help to get a book deal like ask you for a ton of help people want to help so you just have to ask love it arch thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and your wisdom on the pivot and go podcast and just thank you so much for your lifelong friendship and mentorship man you are a an absolute breath of fresh air and a legend in my eyes, in many Well, eyes, D so, nurse, I you.
1: appreciate that. I mean, I, I appreciate you, uh, what you're doing in your platform, and, and you as a person. Thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to catching up in person, real soon.
0: All right, Sushi in LA, get on out here.
1: <laughs> Later, brother. See ya. Thank you.